1: Welcome to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungy here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. My name is Tyler Fornes, and with me, as always, is Fred. Explosions of color when he enters the room, Moreland, and we are going to celebrate our 52nd episode, like AEW celebrated their 200th episode of Dynamite last night. Fred, how are you?
0: Doing all right. That's one year, man. One year of talking about this company and other stupid stuff. So... Yeah. Hey.
1: Doesn't sound like we're enthused, but it. We're.
0: That's no, too early in the morning for me to be enthused right now. <laughs> I haven't yeah, fully I've, awakened yet.
1: I haven't even uh, eaten breakfast. I I totally understand. Fred can see my eyes; they're not exactly like hey, they're not perky today.
0: So, they're also, but they're not rolling around like Rob Van Dam. So there's that. <laughs> that was. Look,
1: you know If what, you're going to have Rob Van, Van
0: Dam on TV, he needs to be. Uh, these did not have their eyes pointed in one direction at all times.
1: Let's talk about Rob Van Dam for a second. Because, look, this isn't for me. It's, I don't know who this is for. And I don't want this. I don't need this. But damn, that was fun. Like, it, it's, it's going to be fun. And... We talked about the nobody needs the ECW nostalgia, and it's a hundred percent true. But at the end of the day, it was a good segment. Tony paid for Pantera's walk. Yes, and it was awesome. It was awesome. It's, that's really all there is to it. It was great. And you know what? They're not going to do it on Wembley. At least we don't think they're going to do anything
0: on Wembley with this. This is great. Yeah, um, you know, I think this is just a little way to buy, you know, extend the the feud with Hook a little bit and uh, keep it going and uh, work some of the ECW angle, which uh, obviously connects pretty tightly to the FTW belts history and Hook's history with his dad being Taz and everything. So I don't really have a big issue with it. Um, also, hopefully, we're done with uh, Jerry Lynn having to be the mouthpiece of of um, ECW. Representation, um, because uh, that's not a strong point, uh, but that's okay.
1: Yeah, it's it's fascinating, honestly. Um, th- this is, you know, it would just be the, the icing on the cake if you got a, a Wembley match with Bully Ray, oh, God. then we could bury it to all hell.
0: Yeah do not need that in my life in 2023. Nobody needs that in their life in 2023. But
1: it'd be hilarious because we just get to meme it and make fun of it. But if you're going to do this angle, and Rob Van Dam obviously has retired titles in the past, and he was very clear about his intentions as to why he's here. I thought that angle was really nice because it kind of takes a storyline from yesteryear and something that he's already done. So he has credibility of why he's here, not just being an ECW guy. There's real credibility here. And I think it works. I think there's cohesiveness within the story. I, I, I just don't need ECW nostalgia in the year 2023. I, we, we've done it. Oh, They did one night stand and one night stand too. Those should have been it. But everybody's tried to recreate that special Moment oh, yeah. in time, and you just can't do it. There's, you ask Joe Lanser or anybody else who attended ECW Arena, which is hilarious because Tony Khan used to attend the ECW Arena and go to all these shows, and he's trying to get a little bit of that nostalgia. And I, I find it weird because you just can't recreate something that was that unique and that special with a group of guys who just wanted to go balls to the wall for each other. Like, yeah, it's you can't duplicate it.
0: Yeah, um, you know, kind of honestly, I talked myself into thinking that there was some of that early on in AEW's history, uh, mainly before CM Punk came in. And it was like, oh, this is a business <laughs> um, and not, a not you know, uh, Paul Heyman trying to smooth talk people into believing it's a family. Um, I think it ended up, I mean, it's, it's fine. And it, it's not really like a complaint about anything. They, Punk was the right move, 100%, even with the drama that happened. Um, mm-hmm. I am slightly distracted, however. I'm going to do a hard subject shift here because I just learned that, um, the, you're familiar, at least in passing with the, uh, Japanese promotion 666, right? Yes. All right, the death, it's, if you don't know at home, it's a deathmatch promotion. Uh, it is smaller than like freedoms of big Japan. So it, it's further down the, the, the thing, but they're also known for their, um, being a little wacky for a while, they had a like an eight year old or a 12 year old or something, uh, basically pretending to be the Undertaker that was kind of internet famous about a decade ago. I just learned about their tag team championship and noticed okay. that I did not say championships, it's one belt that's defended by one person, but only in tag team matches. So, if that person loses the fall, whoever pinned them becomes the new tag team champion, but not their partner. And I also need you, which is frankly bizarre. Apparently there was a recent ladder match where uh, where the the champion's partner could have won the, the title from their partner by climbing the ladder and grabbing the belt. I also need you to look at this championship belt, which I am sending to you right now on the uh, exclusive Voices of Wrestling Slack. Because it has an angry Thomas the Tank Engine as the centerpiece of the belt. That's phenomenal.
1: Um, that is,
0: I love this so much. This just completely broke my brain. Uh, we're what? We're not even ten minutes in. Uh, I'm off the rails today. Um, okay, thanks, so uh, I have to
1: describe this even more. Yeah. So go for it. you have the standard length of the belt, but because it's a tag team championship, they have a, an extender on both <laughs> sides so it can wrap around both both wrestlers. Yes, this
0: is great. This is psychotic, (laughs) and uh, I am glad it's happening somewhere in the world. This is the stuff that should not happen at a big company, but it's 100% great because it's happening in a small company. Oh,
1: this is fantastic.
0: This is such a disappointment that like DDT got beat to this, you know, in a sense, because DDT is supposed to be the big old wacky company and they've been out wackied in their own country. What the hell were we talking about before? (laughs)
1: Um, Rob Van Dam.
0: Oh, yeah. This is appropriate, I think, for a Rob Van Dam conversation. Uh, Just the inability to stay on the subject. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I'm not, like, super hyped for him coming in or anything, but I figure it'll be a a little mini thing that won't last long. And I doubt we're going to get a full-fledged, like, ECW originals versus the new blood kind of thing or anything like that. So... It'll be over quickly enough, and we'll be like, "Oh yeah, it's cool that we get to see uh, Rob Van Dam in you know 2023 when his hips don't seem to move." <laughs> he, him walking. It's amazing what he can do, like with the with the kick in the ring, especially after watching him walk to the ring, where like it was obvious, like, "Oh man, this guy is is not in a good place physically." Like he's just beat up, uh, and then he just does his jumping kick on. Jack Perry, like, it's no problem, so wrestlers, man. Wrestlers are, well, like you said, they're wrestlers. Odie
1: agrees as he's sitting right next to me wanting pets. Oh, yeah. All right, let's 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 get into the little bit of news that we do have,
0: Fred. Yeah, it's a lighter and, week, but there's a couple big ones.
1: <laughs> well, the biggest one is the Elite of Resigned, and according to Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Those are projected to be four-year contracts. The first deals that they signed with the company were four-year deals. So, it's great. The AEW is All Elite Wrestling. And, look, I don't want them to go anywhere else. I would be happy if they were in New Japan. But, it's great that some of the best and my favorite wrestlers in the world are in the company that I like the most. Yes. And I'm not going beneficial. to apologize for that.
0: No, it's good. Um, it is good for the, uh, the sake of AEW to have them around. Um, I think especially like during the dog days of this year where the thing that was really carrying the company was the elite BCC feud, which was a success, uh, financially and creatively, I think, um, while other things were floundering in the company, you know, the elite were such a central part of that. And I think really showed just how important they are to this company. Uh, I don't think they're like the uh, absolute central pillars of the company at this point in time in 2023, but I think they're like very, very important. Um, and I think that's great for the company. And I think it's great for wrestling too, that uh, you know, this company's grown to the point where they don't 100% rely on the elite or Jericho or anyone like that, specifically. Uh, but, you know, obviously they get a lot of value out of having the Elite around. Um, and I think you can really point at uh, the versatility of the Elite with uh, the Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, Satnam Singh match last night. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's great news for wrestling. I think that they would – I the only person I could imagine going to WWE and, like, not floundering because of WWE is uh, Kenny Omega. I can see them properly pushing him, but I think that's even not really a guarantee. Um, just because of uh, preferences and everything. I mean, the young, oh, Buck-
1: they'll push him and here's what's going to happen. They're going to push him to the moon. He's going to win the Royal rumble. And then he's going to lay down for Roman Reigns in the main event of WrestleMania.
0: <laughs> Pretty much.
1: I will say um, I have collision going on in the background right now. And it's, it's the guns uh, coming in with Juice Robinson, and I gotta say, Juice Robinson is incredible with this entrance. He is just inc- so extra, and he's got all the juice
0: faces, and he's great. He's really great. Oh,
1: man. it was like, sorry, it's a tangent, but it's so freaking good. I love it. Yeah,
0: he's like he's like the perfect uh, heel sidekick. Um like he's just really good at that role, and I'm really—it's great that he's in AEW, so we get to see him do that. Um, you know what would have
1: been awesome? Juice Robinson in mid 1980s WWF. Oh yeah. Ah, oh, just the the cartoon the cartoonish era. Like, I mean, he's so great now because he can do a little bit of everything, but he's such a great cartoon. Yes. And oh. I, I, I did just get my Bullet Club gold shirt in the mail the other day. So I'm very excited about that. And Wearing a wrestling t-shirt. Ugh, what a mark. Fred. Fred, you are wearing an Orange Cassidy t-shirt as we record right now. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that... Don't even man. Um,
0: the other right. big news of the week. I, I really think that's about it for the elite. I mean, they're back. They're they're still here. I guess i should say. Uh, I, they, I, I didn't. Really... I
1: do want to say one thing. Yeah, sure, sure. I thought it. I thought it was interesting. You don't ever hear people talk about contract stuff except the MJF storyline. They announced that they re-signed on Dynamite. I found they that did. interesting. Yeah, it is that, a little interesting. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it was. Uh, the 200th episode and they are really the heart of the they promotion. Are. I was honestly shocked that they didn't main event. Now, I I agree that if you're just looking on paper that Sheeta versus Tony Storm is the better match and probably should main event, but I'm talking about the context of this is all Elite Wrestling and the Elite wasn't in the main event of their own Anniversary, essentially, anniversary show. I I thought that was a little odd, but it's it's not the end of the world. I just found that peculiar.
0: I gotta be honest, that seems very uh, very elite of them. <laughs> like <laughs> you know, opening early in the company's history, like by losing in the first round of that tag team championship tournament to you know to name the new first champions, uh, losing to a private party. I mean, you know, the knock on them, especially in the first year or two, was that they did too many jobs. Um, yes. so they're too giving, so uh, you know, I think it, it just follows with their kind of reputation or what they do, you know, um, like the, their givingness as performers, and uh, they got a light night, really. We'll get to it with the lethal Jarrett match and uh, saying match, and uh, you know, outside of the uh, matches that you know, you know outside of the match that didn't have any originals in it, which was the tag match between Aussie Open and uh, Bakingo and Commander. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, it was everyone that got a win on this show was a AEW original. Yes.
1: So, and I, I, I think that's a cool homage. And one of my favorite parts of this past show was they showed the video package and they showed the like highlights of the parking lot brawl with best friends and proud and powerful and i'm like yes they don't they don't have enough like we don't get them enough respect or love because that parking lot brawl was just incredible as there is a literal cardboard cutout of Switchblade J White at ringside. Oh my god! Yep, that's just yeah, that, was that's fantastic. <laughs> that was a good bit. That was a good bit. Yeah, that parking that parking lot brawl is probably my favorite match ever to occur on Dynamite, and I think that made my match of the year list in 2020. Just phenomenal stuff. And then after the the trio or the um the three way match. Chuck Taylor challenged the Blackpool Combat Club to a parking lot brawl, which I thought that's great.
0: Yeah, it was a nice way <laughs> to set you up the synergy.
1: Right? Yeah. And look, we all know that best friends are shockingly great at plunder. You don't necessarily think they would be, but they're great at it. And then you are. Have the Blackpool Combat Club, who are also great at plunder, this could be special. And I'm really, really excited to see it next week. Oh, my God. What is Vikingo doing? That's He's doing question. like a, he just did a senton off of the top rope. But instead of jumping off the rope, he jumped off of uh, Darius Martin in action Andretti. <laughs> He's freaking nuts. This is great. Um, yeah, uh, I've been so busy covering Vikings practice, I haven't got to watch Collision. So I'm – I'm I am doing my due diligence and watching it while we work. Um, But yeah, it's, I I love the cohesiveness of this company and they try to have everything make sense. And even if you don't like it, that's okay. It it doesn't matter if you don't like it. You, You can at least admit that, Hey, they're doing a good job of X, Y, and Z. And I think, as the, the, we talked about the Rob Van Dam stuff. It's cohesive. It makes sense. They have motivation behind it. It's not just XECW ecw guy. It's, no, you don't deserve this title, you little sack of crap. I'm going to retire. I've already done that before. Like, the little things, the music. Like, I think that is really the epitome of what Dynamite is and why the Dynamite 200 was so special because those little things continue to matter. And continue to, to have an impact on the show.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I I love that they brought it up and pushed it as a big deal. At least last night, I, I think that it would have been cool, um, you know, if they had uh, done a little more of that, you know, like over the years of being like, oh, I remember that this great match? Uh, but yeah, I think they did. Pay good homage to it, and they worked into this, you know, a couple little storylines pretty nicely, and I liked it. Yeah. And um, now the other big news uh, of the week is that we actually have a match for all in Wembley, and we have the main event even, which is Adam Cole and MJF for the AEW World Championship, and they did confirm that this is going to be on pay per view finally. uh, In passing. (laughs) we have this mystery for like weeks and weeks about how we're going to be able to watch this show. And it just is on pay-per-view again. So, so
1: basically. the interesting thing here was Andrew Zarian of the mat man podcast said that it was going to be on pay-per-view like two weeks ago, but this is the first time AEW has mm-hmm. outwardly said that this was going to be on pay-per-view. So my guess is they were having some serious discussions with HBO And Max to maybe put this on streaming, and really try to boost that platform. Um, We do know. um, I don't know if you have it in the run sheet here, but AEW has applied for the trademark for AEW Plus. Oh, I'm uh, curious. I'm curious if that uh, was kind of factored in. My, I would assume that AEW Plus would be run on the back end by Warner brothers discovery and not by just like AEW themselves.
0: Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I think that's, uh, I thought I saw something about that just being like, and you know, related to the fight plus deal, but honestly I didn't really look into it very much. Um, but yeah, something to keep an eye on. I just don't get the feeling that they're going to be on max anytime soon. Um, yeah.
1: All I know is the second to get on max, guess who's doing a dynamite rewatch, baby. This guy, I want to, I want to start doing some comparisons, like early dynamites and how things have changed. And yeah. well, there's, there's really, really nowhere that has a collection yet. And the second they get a streaming service is I'm going to jump into that because some of the first dynamites were incredibly different than what we have now, but it, all in pay-per-view look, I've seen people compare this to SummerSlam 92 with Bret Hart and the British Bulldog, kind of like babyface, babyface. That I feel like that was a unique case because weren't the British Bulldog and Bret Hart like related?
0: Yeah. Blood yeah. relatives? Not blood relatives, but by my, my marriage. Okay.
1: I'm very intrigued to see how they play these guys and continue to look at like this face-face dynamic they have going on, MJF, he's like, I'm a still scumbag, but I'm your scumbag. And yeah. I, I want one of these guys to bleed buckets because the other turned on him. And I don't know if you do this before all-in or if you do this at all-in, but let me tell you, for as much as we've complained about this, I am really into this story.
0: Yeah, it's great. Uh, even though some of the segments were like really poorly done, like written, I guess I should say not done. Uh, the reason they worked is because of how Adam Cole and MGF did it. Um, but you know, they they've really turned what could have been a flop of a storyline because they weren't exactly being handed like gold here. You know, um, they they turned it into just a fantastic uh, thing and everything and. Um, it's awesome. It's really cool to see like the buy-in from the, the crowd. You haven't got to it yet. Um, but the main event of collision, that crowd was molten for Adam Cole and MJF and they have been the entire time as baby faces. and uh, it's awesome. And um, you know, I still think the storyline I, I think the storyline has to be at this point. Um, Adam Cole turning heel on MjF to betray him and um and uh mjf being the uh the the hurt baby face he's looking for revenge and i like i said last week i i could really see there's a path here and there's never a guarantee because so many things can happen in wrestling but i could definitely see mjf becoming the biggest star in wrestling in the next year if this is all handled correctly um and I think that that would obviously, I mean, it'd be a huge boon to AEW to have the hottest guy in wrestling again. They haven't had him since CM Punk uh, when he first came back. And, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see how it all works out. But I think this is such an important part of, you know, the uh, the professional, of, of the, basically the the future of AEW. Um you know it'll really it set the tone for just how big this company can do after this massive Wembley show so yeah
1: i think the the lead up to Wembley in the next couple of weeks is going to be really interesting let's talk about this because we had mentioned this potential and it might go in a different direction the kingdom Comes in on Roderick Strong as he's having a tantrum backstage after Adam Cole signs that contract and said that we get it. He doesn't know who his real friends are. And then walks stage left. Yep. Great stuff. Great stuff. Just planting the seeds. Maybe we get an Adam Cole kingdom reunion and he turns on everybody. Maybe Roddy Strong turns on Adam Cole with the kingdom because obviously Adam Cole is also kind of the elite too. He's in this kind of ambiguous space where you could really align him with either faction. I'm all in for this. Look, the kingdom are, are, they're never going to be higher than mid carters, but for mid carters, they're tremendous. They're great workers. They work well together. They've got good charisma. I would like to see them get a push.
0: Yeah, I mean they're great they're a great team. Um I still think that they have like I I don't think Roddy a uh, uh, a group of Roddy and the kingdom alone is going to work in this spot. Uh so they have to um they have to basically establish it, that uh it's Adam Cole leading this group. Um I think that's the only way. What you, you don't believe in Madison Square Taven? how dare you? I believe in Madison Square Taven as a great backup guy. Um, These guys are all. When
1: when we buried the fact that Matt Taven won that ladder match and Marty Skrull didn't, how retconning it, 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 that was at actually end up being the perfect move.
0: Well, yeah. And um, also the fact that they rig of Otter apparently pushed hard for that to be the main event of the show of that, uh, New Japan Ring of Honor, Madison Square Garden show. Can you imagine the
1: flagship burying the fact that that was the main event and not Okada J White? That yeah. that that could have been the best audio Rich and Joe have ever done.
0: I think that match still may be going on. Oh got uh <laughs> that was the longest ladder match of my life. Um, it was, it.
1: it was good though. Like, I mean, it, it
0: was good, but it was not like it did. It was like fifteen minutes too long.
1: I'm not going to ever watch it again. Yeah. But it was good, and they worked really hard. They did. It was
0: like a a four-and-a-half-star match stretched out to like a length that made it like three-and-a-half, in my mind.
1: Yeah, that that sounds about right. Uh, What's actually really still going on is that Bully Ray-Lifeblood street fight. (laughs) That hasn't stopped, and Juice Robinson is still a member of Lifeblood. And
0: here the, we are. The, the Hey EW that um that uh shit, I lost my track train of thought, that Juice Robinson did. Um <laughs> life Blood is briefly brought up and he was like extremely funny.
1: I would love to see David Finley win the C block of the uh of the G one, have a C block t shirt, but along with that I would love to see uh, it, him, him, the like, look at the camera and be like, like you wanted me to be a bit player in Lifeblood? Fuck you! Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, just everything's awesome. coming up Lifeblood.
1: Lifeblood looked like it could have been a cool faction, but it just timing was awful. Well, because Ring of Honor just did not
0: work out. Um, <laughs> uh, at that time, it's really unfortunate. They had a lot of talent, and then the creative was just like. Ugh.
1: It wasn't even the creative. They like three months into that run, the pand like the pandemic kind of happened.
0: Yeah, that didn't help. Either.
1: It wasn't three months, but like they were getting real interesting in 2020, bringing it like bringing in like Slex the business. Yes, and then they just had to go by because of the pandemic. Kind of, yeah. Kind of sucks. Um, let's continue talking about the news because we have been off track all episode, which honestly has been some really fun audio in my opinion um let's go to big lucha yeah and the bandito drama so walk me through this because it's it's a little confusing but it's it also kind of makes sense it's it's a it's an interesting deal
0: yeah so big lucha is like a second tier lucha promotion obviously behind triple a and CMLL. Isn't it like the biggest
1: uh, indie in Mexico?
0: It what has been for the past year or so. We'll see how long that lasts. I imagine it could easily fall behind IWRG or something. Uh, but uh, essentially, uh, Bandito agreed to work with them. And a lot of people actually thought Bandito owned the company. And without paying close attention, I, I can see that. I kind of thought that too. Uh, like They renamed, I think, the gym after Bandito, where they, they run these shows and uh, if he didn't have outright booking power, he had a lot of pool and who came in. So a bunch of people close to him came in. And they were having some pretty good matches there for a while. And then uh, the past week or so, the they basically split. Uh, Bandito and his group are on their way out of Big Lucha. I think they basically are. They had a big eight-man tag suddenly on the latest Big Lucha show. Where it was the you know, losing team leaves the promotion, and the losing team was Bandito's team. And apparently, uh, this you know, as Cubs fan himself put this, um, a lot of this drama stems from basically AEW doing a kind of meme booking with Gravity. Uh, now, I think Gravity has some potential for sure, but you know, he's not exactly a uh, top guy on the lucha scene right now. Uh, but they booked him in part. You know, because he's close with Bandito, but also because they wanted to do Pac versus Gravity, because Pac, of course, used to be nicknamed the man the Gravity forgot. And so they worked some jokes about that into their uh, match on Dynamite last week. The problem with all this is that everyone else thought, uh, a lot of people I guess I should say instead, a lot of people backstage in Big Lucha uh, thought that Bandito had sold them all out to get his brother Gravity a spot in AW, and that they better workers should have been given that opportunity. So I think that there are some percolating issues that this just kind of brought to head, and essentially, uh, yeah, Gravity coming in really was the breaking point, I think, for the Bandito Big Lucha relationships. So yeah. Um, I really don't think that Big Lucha has the talent to kind of make waves going forward without that group um, of guys, the the Bandito centric group. Um, we'll see. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the how Tony Khan accidentally killed a uh the number three. <laughs> lucha company in you know mexico because uh because he was like hey gravity pack i remember that bit (laughs) yeah i I, i'm not gonna lie i wish i would have
1: remembered i wish i would have remembered that um pack used to be the man that gravity forgot because i'm like what's the joke here i don't i don't get it and then of course god bless him andrew rich who I swear that man remembers everything. And he told me, I'm like, Yep, there it is. There it is. There it and is. And t- tremendous bit. And you know what? I think Gravity's got some potential. And I like that they're just getting him on these like random TV matches. But man, you can just tell the man needs more time. And unfortunately, time is not something you can get in the wrestling business nowadays because you need the instant. Like yeah. the second somebody looks looks like that potential they get snatched up. And that's why AEW has two 18-year-olds, but yeah. they're also better than most 18-year-olds are professional wrestling yes. in Billy Stars and Nick Wayne. So I'm intrigued to see what they have for Gravity as MJF is um running around the ring while Adam Cole gets ready to do his baby bay thing. <laughs> These guys are just so great. It's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, just, it's awesome. Yeah. You know what? You know what they remind me of? What's and, that? And follow me here. They remind me of Kirk Cousins. Okay. Um, they're just big dorks. Okay. <laughs> like it, it, it's a very loose comparison, but Kirk Cousins just a dorky dad who likes spending time with his sons and his wife. He's going to, he's going to rock stuff from Coles and Patagonia. These guys are just dorks in a different sense because they're wrestlers. Like, I don't know. It just gives me those vibes and I really dig it.
0: Okay, cool. <laughs> I guess I, I can't really say that I see the, uh, the through line there personally, but okay, no worries. Uh we got a couple uh, little injury notes to go over real quick. Uh, Jamie Hayter is probably going to miss All In, which is unfortunate because, you know, her being a native Brit and everything, and this being a.
1: She could have of- been the main event of All In, and nobody would have yeah. batted an eye because, one, the Brit connection, obviously, but two, her versus Tony Storm would have arguably been the biggest or second biggest match on the card.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's a shame because, I mean, she was doing really well she was hot and uh, just the injury happened and now you know they can't do it um so let I me ask they, you this let's yes. tangent here do you the the announcement
1: or news breaking of her probably missing all in do you think that coincided with Sheeta beating Tony Storm
0: for the title I can't say that it wasn't necessarily related uh they could could have just been uh, decisions made completely set independent of each other. Mm-hmm. I do think this was something of a make good. I mean, obviously a make good for Ashita because she was the champion during the pandemic and dropped it on the first show back. But also, I think without Hater, uh, the women's division was very much creatively floundering. I think um, like it wasn't like an outright disaster or anything, excluding the Taya match last week, which was just a bad match. It happens. Um, but like they just, it felt like everything was stalled with Hater out injured and had not been, you know, moved forward in several weeks. So I think the Sheeta move is a great way to kind of, you know, um, liven things up again. And uh, hopefully we get, you know, a cool storyline coming out of here. Um, so, yeah, it's cool. Um, other injury note is that Scorpio Sky was scheduled for Rampage last week. Uh, To face uh, Kip Sabian, but he was injured, so he had to miss that match. I think uh, Commander replaced him, Uh, so that's why that happened. Um, No real word on it. If this sounded, the impression I got just from you know the little bit you could read about this, because you know Tony Khan and uh, Mysteries are uh, closest friends. Uh, Scorpio, you know, he had. um, I'm assuming it's a minor injury that's just going to keep him out a week or two. And he'll probably be back soon. Uh, tough luck that it came like right after his return. But, you know, if it's just, you know, a couple of weeks, then it's not really notable or anything. Um, not a major concern, I guess, is what I'm trying to say going forward. So good for him.
1: Yeah. Hey, nobody wants anybody to be hurt, but I'm glad we weren't subjected to Scorpio Sky versus Savian.
0: Yeah, I that that booking. You know, if you want to make, you know, we've we've had so many discussions about what Rampage is exactly, and I just want Rampage to not be a show where you get Scorpio Guy versus Kip Sabian. That's just uh, that's just a rough match, man. Um, I just mm, do not need that on TV on any show, really. Um, I, can't, I can't do it. God bless him uh quick tv ratings notes uh collisions uh, collisions a uh, collision singular did really good uh on the show that uh Tyler is watching as we discuss this um uh shockingly if you build a super hot storyline and then have it main event a show with a couple weeks build um it'll get a good rating um The ratings were the best since the premiere. They had a total audience of 739,000 and a key demo of 0.27. For a non outright, like real air quotes, sports show on a Saturday night, those are damn good numbers. Um, I don't know. I think that it was like number three on the night because of some sports competition, but. I mean, still, seriously, that's the highest numbers for Collision since its debut episode. It's rich history of six episodes, question mark. Um, In sadder news, um, going back to our Kip Sabian discussion, uh, Rampage dropped to its lowest key demo of the year, a total of 324,000 viewers with a key demo of 0.10. Rampage, just 100% uh, show at this point. That's what it's going to be. That's what it is. So,
1: look, great ratings for Collision. And I think you can give a lot of credit to MJF Adam Cole for this. Oh, obviously. We, we talked about the fact that this was probably going to settle in around 600,000 and a point two in the demo. And outside of the first week and the 4th of July weekend, yeah, it's pretty much lived there. 739 and a .27, fantastic numbers, and they have to be absolutely thrilled that this rating came really close to the first rating. Huge win, Rampage! Yeah, look, you're doing fantastic number. You're doing 324 and a .1 in the demo, when your production costs really aren't that much, considering you're just taping this after Dynamite, and then your live crowd gets. Like three hours of live TV wrestling. Like, I don't see how you can be unhappy with that because you're really not utilizing any extra production costs here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a bummer, man. <laughs> um, yeah. Just what rampage. I mean, it's tough and everything, but, Because I just don't know what you do with Rampage. Um, It's in this really weird spot now where it just feels like it naturally has to be a uh, a C uh, show and I don't think there's a clear plan to do anything else with it. Um, That's just what Rampage is now. Uh, One last uh, news note is that Ian Riccoboni has been named to his local school board. Um, this, we're definitely scraping the bottom of the barrel for news here. But it is cool. He uh, he applied for the spot. Uh, I saw some notes that he was elected. It wasn't exactly that, if you actually read about it. He, um, he basically, there was a vacancy, and he applied for it. Uh, one of four people to apply for, I think, maybe one or two vacancies, and he was selected to the board. So congratulations to him. Please have good policies. And... Um, yeah, just a cool little interesting note, I think. Um, time to talk about the shows. Uh, Rampage, literally a missed show. Like The only thing noteworthy of it, and please don't watch the match it came from, uh, is uh, that Big Bill and Brian Cage are doing the thing. They're get, they got tag title match uh, this Saturday night against the FTRs. Uh, Tyler, it's time, baby. It's big bill time.
1: Listen, Pony Khan. Thank you very much. I know you're a big listener of this Long-time show. i listener. Thank you. God for giving us more big bill and Brian cage tag team matches. This is so every once in a while you hit gold. They're just two big dudes who can do a lot of different stuff. Brian cage is a hot tag with big bill. Rocks. Yes. Like, yeah. Brian cage should never do singles matches no. ever.
0: No, not just really. have him
1: come in there for three minutes, do a bunch of cool shit and get out. That's, that's the beauty of Brian cage. And you have big bill who can work what he has figured out how to work like a big man, like a true big man, but he doesn't, he worked so long as not a true big man that he can work just like a standard wrestler. And he can take bumps and he does them really well. He can do all the little things. These guys should win the fucking belts on Saturday. They will not win them, but they should. I want to see a Big Bill and Brian Cage title run so bad. This, I'm just glad it's happening.
0: Yeah, it's, it rules that it's happening. It's very, very cool. Um, I hope that, uh, you know, I think it'll be a great match. Um, a lot of fun. And uh, fingers crossed that, you know, they keep getting pushed going forward because they're a cool team. Um, Big Bill. Uh, I'm so happy for Big Bill. Uh, I mean, Brian Cage is exactly what Brian Cage has always been. You know, the guy that does cool shit and doesn't really have, like, great matches because they don't really connect all that well together. Um But Big Bill has really transformed himself in the past, like, what, five-plus years. It's cool as hell to see. I'm so happy for him. Um, His name, which I initially thought was nerdy as hell, is awesome. Uh, I'm all in on Big Bill. This is a Big Bill-friendly podcast. Um, If you do not like Big Bill, uh, you can stop listening. It's okay. Uh, Because we stand, We stand a a large, large William. And... um, it's, this is cool this is a it's just very awesome I'm excited for that match uh it very well could be the best match of uh large Williams entire career and uh I'm looking forward to it
1: oh I can't I can't wait i I, I am so excited for this Fred it's oh this is gonna rule. <laughs>
0: Forget forget all in. This is the real big event of AEW Summer.
1: Like, I, I don't care about all in. No, I want oh, Big Bill and Brian Cage tag matches. Oh, this is great. <laughs> and Eclair is sitting here looking at me like, what the hell is wrong with you right now? Like, She has never seen a Big Bill and Brian Cage tag team match. She doesn't yeah, understand. you got to you teach your
0: dog about Large William.
1: Oh, I'm going to. She is. She's gonna learn this weekend, um, but I'll be at Vikings practice, so she'll have to learn on demand. But that's okay. okay. Um, look, awesome. I'm. I can't wait. Uh, Co- Collision also has that real world title match, right?
0: Yes, with, with uh, and Richard Starks. Starks.
1: Okay, let's talk about this because I think this is incredibly stupid, um, and it's only stupid for one reason: they waited almost two months to do it. Punk should have come back night one, took the belt out of the bag, and ma- claimed it's the real world title because nobody beat me for it. Good story. Yeah. It makes sense. Logical. And you can run with it for a little while, and and in time, you unify the belts. Okay. Is that the story I want them to tell with the world title? No. Is it logical and does it at least make sense in canon? Yes. Waiting two months and Punk to bring it out and to just spray paint an X over it, which went right through the E of all elite wrestling on the title belt, which of course, you know, the, the symbolism, yeah. And Kenny even referenced on Dynamite. That they may appear on Collision and you're going to be seeing more of them. Like, I just hate that the fact that they could have done this right away, but they had to hold off. And because it was held off, I kind of think it sucks. And I don't care about it because the presentation, they blew it.
0: It's very odd. It, it, it's just the timing of it because we we had him come out and like I think it, on his debut he had the back. Was it his debut or I guess I should say his return or was it like a week later where he had the large velvet bag of D and D dice um, that uh, he was waving around and you know intimating like oh don't you know I'm gonna break this out soon just you wait and then um, then nothing happened until this past week and that's what makes it feels a little weird. Um, it's not a big deal to me, I guess. Uh the 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 transition from uh happy go lucky babyface punk just happy to be here to I've got a belt, damn it. Uh this was very sudden. Uh but you know, I, I it's it's not like a major deal to me, but it's like, okay, we probably could have handled all this a little better, but okay, that's fine. Um, I am excited for that match, though. Um, I think this is... Obviously, he's going to beat Stark. I think that's very apparent. Um, Which
1: sucks. Because, like... Here's the thing about Tony Khan. He books himself into a corner. You don't have to book this match. Stark shouldn't lose right now. I don't think it hurts. You you can just be like... "Ah." Look, it's obvious you're trying to give him a push. It's obvious, like, with... How he won that tag match and then how he beat CM Punk for the uh Brett, um, the oh, sorry, the Owen Hart Memorial Tournament final. What he's just gonna lose to Punk here. I don't like that. Starks has taken too many of
0: those losses.
1: If you're gonna rocket pack him, just do it.
0: Well, they're I, I obviously not rocket him... packing him right now, like that's the whole point. Um the idea is just that he's, uh, you know, he he is poised, but you know, they're not. He's not becoming a guy like a hundred percent right now. We, we I was screaming at the end of last year that they should have pushed him harder. I actually think this is a pretty decent push for him. Um, so I don't have much of an issue with this. Um, Yeah, I look,
1: I don't like it. I don't. I really don't. But maybe I'm in the minority. I, I I just don't like the fact that you you have you're positioning Starks in this way and then he's just going to lose the punk again. Like I I don't like that. I really don't. And we've criticized Tony Compani on this podcast about how he doesn't like his mid carters to lose. Starks isn't a mid carter anymore. He's a big boy. Yeah. And having him lose this match, I don't um, I don't like it. And I don't like it at all.
0: It doesn't bother me. I, I, I got to double down that. I um, I think it's perfectly reasonable for him to lose this match, uh, especially after getting the cheating win over Punk two weeks ago. Um and you know they're going to do a thing i'm sure where he gets like a visible pinfall on him or something and uh due to shenanigans it's not seen and but they're going to take care of him I, i'm not worried about it uh punk's not going to eat him up he doesn't really do that in matches um so starks is going to look good and then um you know after this we'll see where it goes exactly but i think i think he's much closer to being a main eventer now than he was before the owen started so I can't complain really if that's where we are with them, Fred. I don't
1: know how much you know me, but I'm going to complain.
0: <laughs> well, we have Maybe been doing this. Maybe I shouldn't complain
1: because we're getting Big Bill and Brian Cage in a tag title match. Maybe I really shouldn't complain. and I should just be happy. But no, yeah, if you
0: complain. win some, you lose some. So
1: yeah, let's let's continue on because I I want to talk about some more broad topics here. <sighs> this. This dynamite was interesting, and yeah. And let's talk about the callus family, the long, like kind of the overarching theme. So obviously, Callis and Chris Jericho have a long history together, dating back to their time in Canadian Indies. Mm-hmm. They're both S- from single, Winnipeg, Manit- single parent, single parent Callus. Yep, <laughs> they are both from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Same with Kenny Omega, and they've. Callis has been recruiting him to join the Don Callis family with Takeshita. And they end up tag teaming this past Wednesday night. They won because Don Callis used Floyd Mm -hmm. to knock out Daniel Garcia. And he was torn, but he got the win anyways. And then you get, it felt very WWE, but they do a really good job of always having a reporter there. Talking to the wrestlers when they do those WWE like segments so yeah. they don't all, all feel all the way WWE a little but different. You had, you had Renee Paquette asking Chris Jericho about the match and Daddy Magic just gets in his face. We're having a meeting and you better be there. It's mandatory. mandatory. Yeah. And Jericho feels really torn. Where do you think this is going? I, I don't think the JS is is going to continue. No. But is he actually gonna make the turn? It it's he's giving a lot of
0: mixed signals here and yeah i'm that's curious the whole
1: point of the bit
0: yeah it's a good bit because it does very much have you guessing and i don't think there's a clear uh like they, they haven't dropped like heavy hits that it's going one way or the other um but i do think it's going to end up with uh a face jericho being victimized somehow whether it's by the entire js which doesn't feel right like I can't. It doesn't make 100% sense to me to have the. um, Like all of JS, including like 2.0 and Hager, uh, who feel more more loyal to him than like the uh, Garcia Guevara faction. Um, uh, It makes more sense to me that if those, you know, like the young guys split off to go with Callus with promises of being made big stars. Um, Now, this makes the the mini babyface face run Sammy Guevara had during the four pillars era, even weirder, (laughs) but um, I don't know. I think that's kind of what's going to end up happening. Um, I think it's really interesting though, because they have the nice thing about this angle is they do have a lot of uh, wiggle room in terms of which direction they go. And I think that intrigue uh, adds to this nicely.
1: A really good point. I, there is a lot of intrigue kind of surrounding this. I'm I wonder if they do the turn and then you get because Omega obviously wants Takeshta, and you don't have a lot of time to build to this, but I don't think you need a ton of time. You get Jericho and Takeshta versus the Golden Lovers at all in. That'll yep. sell
0: a few tickets. That would be pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they could even punt the, the turn until after all out to, or all in, I should say, to, you know, to get that kind of big match on the British show. So I don't know. Uh, it's not very clear at this point to me where the storyline is going exactly. I do think that it's 100% a way for Jericho to turn baby face. Yeah. Um, if i'm wrong you know won't be the first time um but you know it's it's interesting i like the storyline i like that it's uh kind of muddled as far as like what the actual direction is going to be coming out of it and there's a place for storylines like that so
1: yeah let's talk about the jericho appreciation society as a whole okay where do we go with the rest of these guys how That's do, a great question, man. I, and I, Jericho is, is going to be fine because it's fucking Chris Jericho. He's been around for 30 years. He's He is a, an absolute legend in professional wrestling. But it's the other guys. Sammy Guevara is almost being positioned as a babyface, and he's like the most the most hateable guy of all time. <laughs> and Daniel Garcia is showing up to be a really big star. Does Garcia just start his own little faction with these four other guys, how does this transpire? Because to me, that's the most intriguing thing.
0: Yeah. The thing I always thought was, uh, at least when I say always, I mean like two weeks ago. So, you know, uh, but I thought this was leading to basically Jericho getting kicked out of the JAS and it becoming maybe, you know, a Guevara or Garcia appreciation society or something like that. I could see it being the callous appreciation society. Um, that seems like a very Don Callis thing to do is just to take you over. Keep
1: calling it the Don Callis family.
0: I, I don't think the Callis family is pushed that hard as a name that like, they're really losing anything if they don't stay attached to it. So, um, so in my mind, like, yeah, that's, you know, you, you can shift from that pretty easily. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, I don't know. Um, Kind of lost my train of thought there for a second. My apologies. Uh, I think that uh, it's going to end up with Jericho kicked out. The only question to me is I think it's pretty clear that Garcia and Guevara are going to be the heels in whatever program comes out of this. Uh, my question is like Hager and 2.0, are, are those because in my mind, the you know, Anna Jay and Ty are going to go with Guevara wherever he goes. Are 2.0 and yeah. Hager going to turn heel on Jericho or not? I think it'd be a little weird in storyline, certainly for Hager to turn on him, but we've already had it set up where uh, both 2.0 and uh, Hager have pointedly told Jericho, listen, you're blowing this. So you got to choose if it's us or him. And um, I think the fact that Hager gave Jericho back the hat,
1: that yes. symbolism, it, that's already planted. That, yeah. Like obviously, we we know the story of Hager saving Jericho's life uh, on a plane coming from Abu Dhabi. I think it was Abu Dhabi, and that's one of the reasons why Hager has a job here. Well, they use that in canon, and I thought that was great. Yeah. Like, now you yeah, got like, OC playing with Jericho. That that's Yeah. And you know what? If they split, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. Like. I think I think it could still work. Hager, how look? There aren't many wrestlers on this roster that have been better used than Jake Hager, and it's not that Jake Hager is a really good wrestler because, quite frankly, he isn't. His title matches have been acceptable to good. That uh, no holds barred title match against John Moxley during the pandemic was great. No, you didn't like that. I hated
0: that. <laughs> I thought it was oh, boring. You are
1: such a hater. I, I thought it was good. I didn't like then, that one. Well, anyways, he's not put in positions really to fail. He's a heater. He wrestles very rarely, but he's almost like a – he's kind of treated like a mini-boss. Yeah. Like, And I, I think that works really well. Like, There aren't many – Wrestlers better utilized in their
0: roles than Hager is at in his. I think maybe a better way it. to put that would be: there's not many wrestlers that are put in the perfect spot for them like Hager is.
1: That I'm, that's basically the same thing.
0: Yeah, I'm just rephrasing it a little bit, so it's less of a performance less and ambiguity. more of a. Yeah, I, I think it's just clear that way. Uh, But I agree with you. I think that he's in a great spot. If you're going to have Jake Hager in AEW, this is a great way to probably the best way to use Jake Hager is just like a heater for a bigger heel. Um, And he's been consistently booked. So he's a believable badass the entire time while, you know, taking a fair number of losses. So, you know, I think all that is pretty reasonable.
1: I agree. I agree completely. And this is a. This is a very interesting situation that I think we're gonna we're gonna see we will see resolution
0: mm-hmm. either before or during either all in or all out. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I think it'll be. Uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to it either way. Um, it's just a matter of time, I think, for them to pull the trigger on pushing this to the next level of the storyline.
1: Yeah. Well, as I drop one of my AirPods on the floor because of course I did. Let's, let's take a look at at what else we have here. There's not a ton to talk about outside of this. Um, Let's talk about Darby Allen. Darby is brought in Nick Wayne. And ever since he brought in Nick Wayne, his world in AEW is kind of crumbling in front of him. He won the Royal rampage, but then swerve took him out air Fox turned on him after he got, Darby got him in the title shot against Orange Cassidy. And then they go up to the Pacific Northwest in Nick Wayne's little gym where he, he he's got a ring and he wrestles. And they beat the living shit out of him. They they hit him over the head with a photo of him and his dead father buddy.
0: Like Yeah. This was great. Boy, uh Nick Wayne sure did uh sure did blade, huh? Look, hell yeah. Blade
1: buckets, baby. And this is going to be a, a really fun kind of rivalry because AR Fox is finally getting used instead of just being like, hey, just join this random trios team and lose a title match. No, he's, he's in a storyline and he's He's good. I, I think this storyline has some cohesiveness. It's got it's got blood. It's got like history with these wrestlers because obviously you have um, Swerve who lost the Defy title to Nick Wayne and then beat him on Dynamite. And obviously the Pacific Northwest ties with how much Swerve has worked Defy and Darby Allen. This has been really good. And the big thing for me is how does this continue to grow? where does sting factor in with all of this?
0: Yeah, he's, uh, he, he is, uh, he's going to come in and uh, provide backup. I'm sure. Um, and, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm looking forward to what that's going to look like, but I think this was an awesome angle last night. And I think this is a a great storyline. Um, or at least this, the start of a great storyline. We'll see how it goes from here. Uh, it's, like, been two weeks, basically. So I don't think you can really uh, call it a great one. But also, it hasn't gone just two weeks. It's gone years and years. And, like, that's one of the cool things about acknowledging the history of wrestling outside of your company. And um, being able to, you know, feeling comfortable with doing that has led to great storylines and AEW being based on that history. And this is going to be another example of it. And uh, that's really cool, I think. Um I think uh, Air Fox, since he turned heel, I mean, for all of one week, uh, he's done a great job so far, and I, I think he has upward mobility. I don't think he's going to be, like, a main eventer or anything, but he's got, like, he definitely has the chops in the ring to be at least, like, a meaningful mid-card heel. And um, like a good number two to swerve, and that's awesome, man. Um so I liked that angle last night and I'm very excited about where it goes from here. And, uh, I mean, Swerve's a great heel. I, you know, uh, the, the complaint will always remain. The first half of this year for Swerve's booking was pretty atrocious in general, I think, because he, they had the opportunity to make him hot by beating Keith Lee outright in a feud after they broke up. And then they just didn't do anything with that storyline, which was bizarre. Um, I don't know if Keith Lee was having health issues or what, but uh, it sucks that nothing happened with Swerve Strickland for months and months. But now we're actually doing a good storyline with him. And uh, I mean, I think the guy's going to get more over. He's super talented. Um, I think he has, if given the opportunity and everything, I think he could easily be like a top 10 wrestler in the world. Um, I, I just think he's got a whole lot of talent and, um, Definitely has the chops, I think, to be like a main event heel and AEW. Agree completely.
1: I think Swerve has the potential to be an AEW World Champion. Yes. And I can understand kind of... Like, we've talked about this kind of stuff with Miro before, where he doesn't really do anything. But it's like, why aren't you utilizing this guy? Well, sometimes there's X, Y, and Z where you...
0: There's really other factors you don't know about. Because yeah. want to be a-
1: yeah. And those factors can make a difference here as my AirPods all of a sudden failed. And I'm trying to figure out why in the hell they did. Um, look at the end of the day, this is, this is good for swerve long-term and I'm really excited about what's next.
0: Yeah. And I'm um, looking forward to the rest of the storyline. Um Kind of My Last Night rolled. I thought that was just a, a really high-level TV show. And um, as I get my foot tangled up in cords and try not to beef it. Um, <laughs> the best radio show. Um, uh, basically, I, I, I love that show. I think everything on it hit. Um and there is no like it seems like every week on Dynamite, there's like one segment that that is not good, and then everyone hyper focuses on it as part of the uh ah, aw's dying look. There was a bad tie of Valkyrie match, god almighty. Um, because that's never existed before in history. Um, but I thought last night everything was great, uh, like it was one of the most cohesive and all around great shows of wrestling I've seen in quite a while. It also comes on the heels of a great collision, too. Like, I thought that was, like, an 8 out of 10 collision. And I thought Dynamite last night was a 9 out of 10. And it's been a bit since we had a, a show that high level, I thought. Um, so I really like this week of TV, ignoring Rampage, as you should. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, oh, no, I think, like, just AW is on a great direction right now. Um I do want to specifically talk about from Dynamite. I mean, there's so much to talk about from that show. I think it's great that she just got the belt. Um, I think that's a great way to revitalize this division, to give a little jolt of energy. Uh, Sometimes the title change is about who's getting the title, and sometimes the title change is about the title and the storylines around it. And I think, you know, all respect to Mm -hmm. Sheeta, this isn't like a knock on her or anything, Uh, but I think this is a case where this title change does more for the title than it does for the champion. Um, because it had stalled out pretty hard over the past month or two. Uh, you know, we just kind of got caught in this vortex of the outcasts, you know, just doing their mean girl stuff and no one was really challenging for the title. There was no real push for a storyline against it for a bit now. And, um, Hopefully this will be the jolt that'll uh, waken that uh, division back up, and we'll get good stuff going forward. Um, but yeah, that's you know, and I thought it was a really good match too. I thought it was um, one of the strongest women's matches they've had in a little bit. I went four stars on it. Um, I hit four stars multiple times. This was a strong notebook show last night between the yes. uh, the tag, the Aussie Open Bakingo Commander tag um and uh the, also the uh the three-way i thought was a fantastic match and probably my favorite off the show um just a great plunder match um and on top of all those i mean we had a really the really good swerve segment we just talked about we had the what i thought was maybe a little over long that was like the one note really i had coming off the show as a as a negative um but still a very good um mjf adam cole segment you could argue that you know it would have been a little better if they tightened it up and chopped it off after about one like made it four minutes shorter but like you know that's kind of a quibble this storyline's super hot um Mm -hmm. and uh, it's really amazing how hot these two have made it and it's awesome um if it wasn't for the bloodline, which obviously is a huge deal with that audience, uh, this would be the hottest storyline in wrestling today, I think. But it's not, not a bad number two, um, and I think there's still room to pump it up. But you know, it's all very intriguing to see coming in the future. Um, but yeah, I thought that uh, MJF was great on the mic last night. Uh, so you know, he's always had the skills, but sometimes with him, it's a little bit of direction issue, I think. And last night was a very well-directed promo. Um, and I thought it was actually a very strong babyface promo by him, even though he's still a scumbag. And um, Adam Cole, uh, you know, I thought he played it nicely. And Roderick Strong looked like the biggest geek in the world, <laughs> as he has continually for the storyline.
1: Yeah, Roderick Strong, man. He ain't, he ain't picking up wins here. <laughs> No, the, this was great, and the in, the intriguing thing is what was in that contract. That that's, yeah. that's what I want to know because the one thing that we know in wrestling history, if you sign a contract without reading it, there's that's something that's going to screw you. And it didn't. It nothing bad happened tonight. Right. What's going to happen down the line? It maybe it's after all in and all out. Maybe it's right before what's in the contract. That's that's the big question. But these guys are a hit. MJF needs to be a face, and I don't know how long you make him a face for because he's such a good heel. But the crowd wants to love him, and when the crowd wants to love him, you got to give them a reason to love him, and they're starting to really do that. I don't, I wonder if this baby face turn could be the cult culmination of the story where he was talking about going to WWE and his contract came up and well, the fans love me. I'm not going to leave them. And that's their get out of jail free card with yeah. that story. That kind of disappeared a little bit, uh, even though it's, it's more of an overarching theme rather than an actual storyline. Like I, I could see that being a plausible outcome here. And I really like how he's positioning himself while he's still doing this baby base. no, I'm not changing. I'm still a scumbag, but I'm, I'm just your scumbag. scumbag. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's very uh, late 90s very, rock. Very Jersey. <laughs> very Jersey Shore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, I don't mean that as an insult. It's just like everybody who's watched Jersey Shore, like, yeah, they're they're kind of douchebag scumbags. And, well, you like them because they're entertaining and fun. It's, yeah. MJF kind of fits that motif a little bit. And it's very interesting how some of this is currently playing out. And I'm really excited to see how it continues moving forward.
0: Yeah. I mean, all the intrigue with it is very cool and uh, I'm looking forward to the next step. Uh, Apparently there's a theory on Reddit that uh, when uh, Cole hugged MJF, he did the, the, chest pound in the back kind of thing with his fist. Um, I guess it'd be a back pound since it'd be to his back. Uh, But it looked vaguely like a a stabbing motion. So there are people like, oh, he's going to stab him in the back, which, I mean, I I do think it's going to be the storyline. But
1: I don't know. I just thought that was a
0: little interesting. Um, Probably, I I assume, is a little like reading too much into it. But all the same, like, you know, like an interesting idea, I'll say. Um yeah, so that's my I don't know, my last note on that, I guess. Uh very cool to see where that goes. Um another thing I want to talk about that we haven't touched on yet is uh just go throwing back to Collision real quick. That Andrade buddy Matthews match was really good. Yes,
1: that match was awesome and I pointed out that I I didn't like the fact that they were doing a ladder match for this mask, but it wasn't
0: a very, like, it was not a normal ladder match.
1: It was a match that involved ladders. Yes. And kudos to Buddy Matthews. Uh, I don't know how many of people remember seeing it, but he goes over to Doc, and during the picture-in-picture, picture, he Doc pulls the shoulder back into place, yeah. and he, he kind of loosens it up and then goes. Great stuff. And they worked incredibly hard. I thought the stuff with the the handcuffs was cool where it set themselves up, but it also wasn't the finish of the match. Yes. Um, they both got handcuffed at one point. Andrade stole the key from Julia Hart after Buddy Matthews got uh, hit off the apron. And then Buddy Matthews got the key back from Julia Hart and Hart went up to the ladder to confront Andrade. He pushes her off into Buddy through a table on the corner. I and I thought this was very well put together. That Andrade Asai moonsault from the top of the ladder was perfectly placed. Yeah. This this match hit everything.
0: Yeah, it was really cool. Um I just thought it was a lot of fun and uh I you know, I wanted us to mention that because uh it, it you know it's it, I think that's the most forgettable match from this week, uh, which is kind of funny for a ladder match. Uh, I think that just kind of tells you what the value is of a ladder match in 2023. Uh, but you know, there's a bunch of big storylines going on right now and everything and all that stuff. But frankly, this was, um, this was, I thought, just a really cool match, and uh, it may set something up in the future moving forward. Um, I guess we'll see. Um, but I don't know, man. I, I like this a lot. I thought it was like, I don't have my ratings open right now. Let me do that real quick. I thought it was a good like four, four and a quarter match. And I uh, thought it was worth just bringing up specifically because uh, it, it rocked. Yeah, I went straight four on it. So Yeah, I think four is a fair rating.
1: That I went four and a quarter just because I thought, I thought the work was really good and some of the little intricacies I thought really worked well. And the unintentional shoulder injury. And then you never notice the shoulder again. And I thought this was a nice touch because Andrade was down for the count when Buddy went over to get the shoulder worked on. It wasn't like it was in the middle of the match and Andrade did it. And I thought them not going back to it was smart because you could easily play it off that Andrade just didn't know or didn't see. And then Buddy showed no inclination of the shoulder actually bothering him the rest of the match. I liked that. It was a small nuance, but it
0: worked really well. The unmute button did not unmute, so that was unfortunate. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was a nice touch. Um, Oh, no. And with all this stuff we've talked about, we barely, I mean, we haven't even talked about the fact that um, Minoru Suzuki made a surprise appearance on Collision. Uh, The match wasn't much. I, I gave it three and a half. Frankly, that was kind of a gentleman's three and a half. Um, it was not exactly a uh, fantastic match match with Darby, uh, but it was still so cool to see. And um, Suzuki rules. So,
1: I also thought it was important because there was cohesiveness. Didn't Darby eliminate Minoru Suzuki in Royal Rampage? That
0: Actually, no, 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 no. That was uh, I specifically remember that was the butcher that knocked him out. Uh, because I was like, my God, I, I love the butcher. Legend, the butcher. Exactly. I love the gimmick that he's a the battle royal uh, kingpin he's a specialist. yeah, it's cool. It's um, great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's just kind of a neat, um, neat little thing that happen and I love that that can just happen in the AEW that you can just get a random uh, Minoru Suzuki match and have a blast with it because he's cool as hell and always will be.
1: Yes, I love Minoru Suzuki. And it's it's great, great to see him still working everywhere. Yes. And, yeah. Fred, is there anything else that we need to touch on from the last week of AEW?
0: I don't think so. The, uh, one thing I do want to mention, like, super quick, just because it made me laugh, uh, two things, actually. One, uh, the Elite Trios match with... Uh, Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, and Tottenham Singh, not exactly a great match. I went like a gentleman's three on it, but it was a fun match, um, and I enjoyed that, and uh, some good comedy in there, and uh, I, I thought the ending stretch on it was great, just absolute Memphis bullshit, and uh, I loved that part of it. Um, Kenny Omega nearly getting Sing up for the one-winged angel uh, was wild to see. And, uh, I don't know, it's, it's not really a memorable match or anything, but it was a fun match. I just wanted to mention that specifically. And then finally, uh, Jack Perry, uh, he's, he's getting a feel for being a heel, uh, him hiding behind a literal child (laughs) from Rob Van Dam. (laughs) I just had to specifically mention that because that was, that was a great little moment. Um, that was just so funny. Um, yeah, I think that's it for AW this week. Uh, kind of a quiet week. Um, But smoothly segueing into plugging my own shit, uh, for VoicesOfWrestling.com, I did publish an article this week. I finally got back on the riding bicycle after a couple months, and um, I did my cage match bullshit. I'm back on it. Um, I went and uh, pulled all the matches for the first half of the year um, and the match ratings for them and uh, calculated who's having the best in-ring year based off that data. And, uh, you know, it's kind of surprising, I think in a way, if you're not familiar with how cage match works and specifically, uh, the attention Mike Bailey gets off of it, uh, that he's the number one guy, um, in terms of entering. And it's not so much that he hits the super high peaks that, um, other guys do it's that he's working twice a weekend and putting on very good matches practically every time out there. Uh, the guy is a workaholic, um he has 43 matches uh that qualified for this as at least a 6.75 on cage match and uh that is more than all the like eight companies i think i wrote. Um the guy is insane. He he doesn't take days off. Um he has more matches on there than uh Noah by himself. <laughs> he nearly has as many as Ring of Honor. Uh And I I love him as a worker. Uh, I thought his uh, BOLA run for PWG this year was fantastic. And uh, I don't know. I just wanted to specifically mention that. And also the uh, Yoshihiko index that I created. Uh, Because we actually have Yoshihiko in a qualifying match this year. So scientifically speaking, anyone that has less points than Yoshihiko is not as good of a wrestler as Yoshihiko. Good old Yoshihiko. Yeah, but that, I thought that was a lot of fun to look at, uh, just that data, and uh, uh, I uh, so plug in my own stuff. It's up on Voices, and uh, check it out if you get a chance. There's also a Sporkle quiz at the top if you want to just uh, try to guess who the top 50 are without even reading the article. So,
1: Yeah, I would highly recommend checking it out. I think it's cool to see what the, the mass is. Because when you get a huge sample size, you really remove a lot of inherent bias. And this is just what do the masses think the best wrestler in the world has been this year based on match ratings alone. I think it's, it's a cool tool to utilize when we're having some of these discussions. And we're going to have plenty of those here moving forward, especially as we talk more about Wrestling Observer Awards at the end of the year. And if you missed it last week, at the end of the episode, we talked extensively about our picks for some of the bigger awards on the docket. Um, quick rundown before we end up heading out here today. Collision um, does have that um, big Bill and Brian Cage versus FTR tag team title match. And it also the most has- important
0: match in wrestling history.
1: It really is. It's the most important match in wrestling history, Uh, and it also has CM Punk defending the "quote unquote" real world title against Ricky Starks.
0: That's a good semi main.
1: Yeah, it's. it's, I actually do uh, wonder
0: if that's going to be the semi main. I doubt it, but no, it's
1: Punk's gonna main event. Are you kidding? Um, the back of his t-shirt says, "I'm a collision guy." What a dork. Uh, uh,
0: you know, I gotta question the intelligence of splitting the crowd like that, your own company's, you know, deal. But I also get it's a callback to the, you know, I'm a Paul Heyman guy thing. So I don't know. Maybe that's too nitpicky.
1: Yeah, we'll be nitpicky. We can do that on the show. Um, all in, we only have one match official, and that is MJF versus Adam Cole for the W World Championship. That match is going to slap. We also have. Potentially, Will Ospreay versus Chris Jericho. Presumably, that is going to start once the G1 is done. I wonder if Chris Jericho makes an appearance at the G1 final. Hmm. I'm just speculating. I don't know anything. But it be a great way to set things up. And that, that's presumably all we have so far. We have hints of stuff. Obviously, John Ma- Moxie Orange Cassidy for the national title. Looks like it could be in place. We could have um, like Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Uta versus either Lucha Brothers or Best Friends. There's plenty of ways we can go. We just don't have a lot official yet. And for some people, it's really annoying. I'm glad they've at least started that ball rolling, but they like to slow roll. So expect at least one more match announced on collision this week, and they're going to continue that. They don't like – it's kind of like a New Japan thing. Where they don't like to usurp what they have going on before they announce like their next cards. So once the G1 is done, then they'll announce the Destruction Tour cards. And then once that is done, then they'll announce like World Tag League and the Road to Tokyo Dome. And they don't, with the except, like they don't even officially announce what the main event is at the Tokyo Dome until it's set. That's usually at King of Pro Wrestling. So. Like, I, I'm not super concerned about it, but they started, and I think that's what's important.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's fair to be where they are with the card right now, but they do, I mean, I would like them to announce, you know, dare I say, three or four more matches in the next week, just to kind of give this card some direction, because we're coming up fast on it. Uh, so, you know. Let's let's go. Let's go. You got to make this feel like the biggest show ever, which it is practically. So,
1: Tony Khan finally said it on air last night that yep. is the biggest show of all time, and I think we're going to hear a lot of that the next couple of weeks. But that is it for our show today. You can follow us on Twitter at GoodBadHungy. You can follow me on Twitter at The Real Forno and all my work at USA Today's Vikings Wire, College Football Network, and my own YouTube channel, Vikings First in School. You can follow Fred on Blue Sky and. You can also um, subscribe to his currently paused Patreon, which is going to have a lot more pieces and information like the article that was just posted at voiceofwrestling.com. Highly recommend you go check that out. I will link it in the show notes. With that, he is Fred. I am, Tyler. I am Fred. And uh,
0: we are all elite, baby. Ruining the exit. Gotta love it. Everyone have a good week.
1: Hola, hola. My name is Ricardo. I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and, of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí.